very, very simple. Amen? And sometimes we need to inquire from fathers. Why? Why do you do that? Why do you, you know, position yourself that way? Why do you do things? And begin to draw, amen, from the fathers. I believe in more than any time in history, the generation that we're in, we need to begin to observe fathers. Come on and say, why do you do that? How do you do that? How can I learn what you do? I know what I do, but for some reason, you're doing something different, and it's a lost art, and I need to discover you know, what's going on, I need to discover, amen, the values of fathering. Amen? So transformation. If I say transformation. Transformation. It's meaning. If I read a meaning to you, it means to change the form or the appearance of something. In other words, make an impact, amen, that transformation is something that is very evident. It is very visible. And you can see transformation is happening. Come on now. I can watch. Uh, I can watch your pastor, uh, Brad, and, and I know that transformation has happened. Why? Because I've observed him for years now, and I can see growth. I can see maturity. I can see increase, and I can see change. I can see change in in in, in, in Sarah. I can see change in, in my son Greg and Julie. I can I can see transformation happening right before my eyes. I can see transformation with Bishop Hammond, and I can see the change that is happening in this life, even at eighty. And that's why I've learned to be observant. Transformation, it means to change the form or the appearance. It also means to change the condition and the character or the function of the thing. Everybody say change. And so transformation in this purest form means change. Come on now. And it's time for us to change upward, church. Come on now. I was saddened so much in my heart in, in, our, in our beautiful country of America. Amen. But to see the disrespect and the dishonor that is shown towards our leaders. And I'm all for, you know, you can do all these debates and all this nonsense. You can do all that. I think it's kind of nonsense. When you do a debate of somebody that is a wannabe and you put them up there and they're compared to who is, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Because it's all speaking out of knowledge that has no experience behind it. Come on. And, and it's so dishonoring to the leader. The first time that I saw on our news when a somebody had the audacity to throw a shoe in a meeting at a president, I almost cried in my own heart. I said, God, the disrespect of leaders and fathers, whether we like them or not, Come on now, that our responsibility is to pray, to undergird, and to bring transformation. Come on now, to change the form, to change the function, amen, to change the appearance, amen, of a situation. Say transformation. Amen. So I believe we're in a time of transformation. This Father's Day, amen, marks a whole new era and it marks a whole new day. I know we're only here in, 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 in a number of 100 or 80 this morning, amen, but listen, where one can chase 1,000, two can chase 10,000. There's enough anointing, there's enough, there's enough wisdom, there's enough grace, amen, in this room this morning to bring transformation in your state, in your city, in your nation. Come on now, amen, we can put the enemy, the flag, and we can begin to release kingdom principle in our nation. Romans 12, 1 and 2, amen, says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, 
And that word brethren is not by gender. We're all brethren. Men, we are the bride of Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. I beseech you, therefore. In other words, listen to me. <laughs> I'm trying to get your attention. There is something that I'm trying to tell you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is the very least thing that you can do or it is your reasonable service. In verse 2 he said, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, everybody say prove, in other words, that you can put to action, you can put to work, amen, the transformation, the revelation, and the thing that God is revealing to you so that you can put that word to work Amen. May prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So he says to be transformed. This word transformed in, in the Greek is, is metamorpho, and it actually means to lay pressure on the inner man. In other words, let transformation, let it begin to lay pressure on the inner man. Come on, whatever in you that is ugly, get it out of you. Whatever is in you that is unclean, get it out of you. Amen. Allow that transformation, allow that pressure to be laid on the inner man with such conviction, come on now, that anything in you that is not godly, that is not righteous, that is not pure, that is not holy, that is not acceptable, it is the most, it is at the very least thing that you could do to be honorable before God. But does somebody say, let the Holy Spirit work on you? <laughs> let, let the Holy Spirit work on you. Let God transform you. Let him change you. Why? Because this pastor stood this morning and he said, Woo, glory to God. Today is the first day of spring. And I'm going to say, Woo, glory to God. Today is the first day of your life. Yeah. Come on now. That means you're a brand new creation from this day forward. It doesn't matter how we've lived, what we've done, who we've been, how we've been treated, what we failed at, come on, help, what we lost, what we gained. It just doesn't matter anymore. Today is a brand new day. Come on now. And the Bible says you can drop buckets uh, all the way down into the wells of salvation uh, and you can draw uh, fresh and living water every day. Say fresh water. Sure. God, give me fresh revelation today. God, give me fresh understanding today. Oh, God, I just I just scrape all the scum off the top of my life. Why? Because it was a hindrance in my youth, but it will not be a hindrance in these years of my life. Say, I'm a new creation. <laughs> Come on, man. You cannot live under the umbrella, amen, of what you grew up with or how you grew up. Amen. You have to live under the umbrella of the kingdom of God. So he said, don't be conformed to that old image. Get rid of that old image. Be transformed. Allow, allow that, that metamorpho, allow that pressure to be laid on that inner man, that inner conviction, that inner heart on the inside of you. Apostle Greg and I was just speaking just a little bit before one of the conference meetings and we was talking about what they're talking about this morning and, and they're talking about change. How, how, 
What does it take? What does it take to find a man like you? What does it take to find another man like you? A, a man that is broken, a man that's been humble, and not a perfect man, but a man that has always been there. A man that is not alone. How can we replace you? How can we find more just like you? How can we find somebody like you that has a conviction in your heart? Come on now. That has such a gentle and such a sweet spirit. Come on now. And, and that is faithful, faithful in your family, faithful in the house of the Lord. My goodness, not a meeting that I've gone to. You, you, you missed hugging me or you missed greeting me or, or you, you missed caring for me. And I get filled. If I'm going to walk and get lost, you was there to say, don't go this way. How can we find, how can we replace men and women? Come on now. But how can we replace men? Come on now. How can we reproduce, amen, the anointing, the gifting, the favor, the, the wisdom, the grace, amen, the experience that is on your life, and yet you're staying true to the kingdom of God? Understand, I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm talking about being faithful. Come on. Everybody say reproducing. And that, that, that transformation, that being reproduced, amen, with that, that fathering love, that fathering grace, amen, that, that grace of God that is upon your life, amen, so that you begin to take responsibility, amen, for the coming generations. I was watching this movie once. I don't get to watch movies that often, but once. And it was called Home Alone. No, no, not home alone. Not home alone. Uh, yeah, what was it? Homeward bound. That is a thing. Homeward bound. I'm watching that movie. And guess what? You know, I tell my pastors, you know, if you want to do a mentoring session with your leaders, watch that movie. Because it's all about mentoring. It's about the wisdom of Mr. Peter. And he speaks to all the other little pets and he said, they'll come back, you'll see, you'll see. And yet the cut, the, the cats and the other little doggy, what was his name, Chance by Chance, how do you And they're running around, they meant, I'm gonna run after them. Peter says, hold still, they will come back, you'll see. <laughs> the wisdom between Come on, those that have been there, those that have done that, and then the immature, come on now, and the ones that have not been there, yet they want to be there, and you're in that struggle of life to try to get there. We need the merging of the generations. Come on now, we need that transfer. Amen. I don't want to say older. I guess I am older. The older generation being transformed, being transitioned into the coming generation. So God wants to change our character image. Say our character image. Amen. He wants to change us. Why? Because he created us in his own likeness and in his image. And God wants to change our family conditions. Say our family conditions. Genesis 12 and 3 says, And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. In Abraham shall all the families of the earth be blessed with the blessings of our father Abraham. Come on now. In other words, God has positioned you as a family, amen, to live under the umbrella of the blessings of father Abraham. 
Sometimes we need to preach more on these things so that you understand, amen, that there's an inheritance scripturally, amen, as we arise as men, amen, that the, the road has already been cut, the price has already been paid, amen, the, the debt has already been paid, and we can rise up as men and begin to fulfill the place, amen, that God has set for us. But God wants to change our character in Genesis 2 and 26. Said God, God said, I created you in my own likeness in the image. But I, I almost have a concern in these days. Come on now, that uh, you know that personality profiles, as effective as they can be, are almost trying to replace the identity of who people are. For example, if you do uh, one, uh, one program, it's called a DISC. Amen. It's going to give you the DISC. It's going to give you the... You know, but many people fall into the D category, which means you're high drive and you're, you know, you're always pushing forward. And or you're a C. You're, you're so you're so much a people person. Come on now, that, that you don't know how to just be an individual. You never know how to be still. Come on now, you've always got to be helping somebody do something. I'm afraid the personality profiles, if you're not careful, can dictate to you your identity. Come on now. Statistics say that in your lifetime, you will be affected by over 5,000 people. In other words, you're going to look at over 5,000 people in your lifetime. And you're going to pattern something, whether it's what you eat, the way you look, the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you wear your makeup, the way you comb your hair, the kind of glasses you get. Amen. It's about what you see. You're being mentored or you're being influenced by over 5,000 people in your life. What are you saying, Apostle? I'm saying that all of these things can intercept Genesis 2, 26, when God says that I created you in my own likeness and in my own image. Come on now. And you're not a, you're not a, just a D, a C, an S, or what? Amen. You are created in the image of your Father God. Wow! There's a perfection that God has released in you. And God said, I want you to cultivate that image. So if a personality profile says that you're a high D, that means you're a little bit of out of balance. You need to get a little bit of the other four mixed in here. <laughs> so you quit pushing people out of line. Come on. So that you'll just be who God created you to be. Amen. So God wants to change our, our function as families, transforming us from being non-functional families to functional families with love, communication, with compassion and passion and unity and family vision flowing and working within our own households. This is my saying it's my time. I, say, I just believe that we're in a season of transformation, a season of change. Come on now. You no longer have to be the person that you were. Amen. You're a new creation today. And God said you can change now. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on now. And I created you to be able to change to fit the times and the seasons that I create. I'm going to just abbreviate some scriptures for you. Malachi 4, 5, and 6, amen, begins to speak about that God will begin to restore, amen, the hearts of the fathers to the children and hearts of the children back to the fathers. Lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Come on now. Which gives us indication that if we're obedient and we will hear that prophet Malachi prophesying to our generation over all the history. Come on now. 
that there was going to be a time when there was going to have a fatherless generation. Listen, church, we are living in that generation right now. But God said, I will begin to turn the hearts of fathers to the children and children to the fathers. And it's not just speaking about our natural children. It is speaking about spiritual children. It is speaking about the 12 tribes of Israel. It is speaking about returning that father's anointing, that father's heart back to generations. We simply need to make change a choice. Say a choice. In other words, God, I choose to change. God, I choose to step up. I choose, amen, to live after the image of my Father God. First Corinthians 4, 15-17, amen, begins to speak about, Paul was speaking about, you have many instructors, you have many teachers, and you have, you have ones that want to speak to your life, and ones that want to try to direct your life, but you have few Fathers. Say few fathers. And that word fathers in this particular scripture means somebody with a parental concern. Well, if I have somebody talk to me about being a spiritual father, you know, their first thought many times is that I want you to teach me a revelation. I, I want you to give me a, a discourse or on something scripturally. But when I first look at them, what I'm looking at is, man, you need to improve in some areas. I had one man said, I really feel like you're supposed to be my father. I said, really? He said, yeah, I, I, want, I want to submit to you. Well, what I've learned is that if you're going to submit, then let's change a few things. <laughs> and if you're really going to submit, then you're going to change. Amen. So when I met with him to talk with him, he had a mustache and it come down over his lip and to a, a point where you can't tell, is he smiling or is he frowning? I don't know. <laughs> So he said, I want you to speak into my life. And I said, all right. How do we feel you need to trim your mustache? <laughs> and you need to get it above your lip line so that we can tell. I have no idea how his wife would kiss him. I don't know. I'd hate to think of what was hiding under there. <laughs> that word fathering is somebody with a parental concern Amen. That will tell you something about yourself that nobody else is going to tell you. Why? Because there's a love, there's a compassion in a father's heart. In a father, you have a lot of teachers, a lot of instructors, but nobody, very few that will really love you to tell you. That's why you're a good pastor. I believe a good pastor, amen, knows how to inspect the sheep. And they, they, they know how to touch it, according to God. Amen. They know how to talk to you about it. They need to find out, oh, you got a bad dick bite. <laughs> you need some help. <laughs> they know what's going on in your life. They know how to inspect the sheep. Come on now. Not infect the sheep, but how to inspect the sheep. I'm talking about good pastors. And have pastors that are called, pastors that are anointed, pastors that are walking in the position and the place that God has called them to. That, that parental concern, amen. And if I want to admonish the fathers this morning, amen, the, this scripture, amen. A lot of teachers, a lot of instructors, but very few fathers, come on now, and that will literally speak the heart and the mind of Father God into the generations 
and even your own children. Romans 8, 14 through 17. Amen. It all speaks about our identification. We are all sons of God. Come on now. And we are birthed in the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on now. And we understand, amen, that we are heirs and joint heirs with the Father. Come on now. And we so identify with him that we take on his nature, amen, and we take on his characteristics. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Joshua 24, 14 through 7, and, and Paul, uh, he basically said, ask for me and my house. It was in a position with Israel. Well, listen, you're serving this idol, and you're doing that, and you're, you know, you're fluctuating back and forth, and you're wavering, and a decision needs to be here, and you need to draw a line of demarcation, come on now, on who you're going to serve. And Joshua spoke up and he said, as far as for me and my house, can I charge every man in this room, come on now this morning, to begin to reposition yourself and say, as far as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, we will worship the Lord, come on now, and we will put God at the center of our attention. Amen. So there's a need for healing in the hearts of fathers and mothers. Amen. From generation uh, to generation, from hurts and from sins of the fathers and from our past and our present generations. When you raise your children, you do not stop and just think about what type of a father, father or mother is my child going to be. But the truth is, is that they will be a product of their environment. Come on, both of what we demonstrate for them and what we allow them to be involved in, amen, will form their frame of life, come on now, for building their generation. It's just time for us to get wisdom. It's time for us to get understanding. Even as men, as fathers, amen, that God has called us for such a time as this. Real quick, I was, when I turned 60, I can't believe that's been 17 years ago. When I turned 60, well, let me back up. When my wife turned 60, she's a year older than I. <laughs> and uh, when she turned 60, I bought her a new desk for her office because that's a special birthday. Little round desk, petite, fits her, Thomasville furniture. Very, very nice desk. It wasn't a $40,000 desk, a $3,000 desk, but it was a nice little desk. And she was so excited about that desk. And then a year later, I'm turning 60, and she said, I was so blessed with my desk. What can I get you for your 60th birthday? And I thought about it, brother, and I just really, I said, I know what I want. I'm going to have seven days all by myself. <laughs> oh, listen, I got so much flack, you would not believe. Why would a 60-year-old man want to get away from his wife for seven days? <laughs> it was very simple. I got married when I was 17. Been married most of my life. You know, started having children within a year. Nobody thought us any different. <laughs> no, we didn't have all the training that we have today. You know, so I had children. Graduate from college. 
you know, worked hard. You know, our children grew. When our children began to have children, got married, children had children. Had businesses and people and responsibilities. Then you have ministry, and it just keeps growing. The truth is, is I've never been alone. Even if I travel, there's somebody there to pick me up. And if they're anything like Apostle Julie, I don't even have to make a decision what to eat. They got it all figured out for me. Hallelujah. I, I like coming here. It's like I get a mind break. Never been alone. So I just had this thought. I'd like to be alone for seven days. Come on now. My wife says, you got it. Hallelujah. She sends me to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, the Smoky Mountains, and you know, I had a room with a balcony on the fourth floor, and it was looking down over the city and the mountains, and ooh, I'm getting ready to go for seven days to get alone. Guess what? My, I had a, a my, my, my Chevy Avalanche glory to God, and I, I filled the back with all my sermon notes and all my study Bibles and my home coffee pot, and, and go, glory to God, I'm going to get alone for seven days, and I got all this stuff with me. Listen, I got so alone that even the manager of the motel come up and wanted to inspect to make sure that something didn't happen in that room. <laughs> Why does he never come out of that room? Because I wanted to be alone. Come on. And what I've done in that time of aloneness is I, I began to read a book that was handed to me on experiencing the father's embrace by the late Jack Frost. And, and I began to bring awareness about fathers and awareness about father fathering and, and all the different types of fathers. And, and as I read through that book, it was all about identity. Come on now. And discovering who you are, not who people say that you are, but who God says that you are. I read that book twice and actually wept and cried as I'm reading this book. Because it's unveiling revelation to me at 60 years old. Come on now. That Father God loves Leon just like he is. Men, repeat this after me. God loves me just like I am. I don't have to do more. He loves me. He accepts me just like I am. We understand that God is always perfecting and always changing and always maturing us. Amen. But as I begin to read, amen, an impact was coming into my heart and it was transformation. I want to outline real quick for you six types of fathers. There's the good father. Everybody say the good father. Amen. All of his good factors tend to so mask. Uh, the, the Father God, the event, there were children, and people can look at the good Father, come on now, and it almost intercepts a relationship with your Heavenly Father. The problem is, is that when the good Father is removed, or if the good Father fails, amen, then the child is left in a place of desperation, come on now, and, and total amazement, and feels lost, and feels uh, unconnected to their Heavenly Father. Then there's the performance-oriented father. I want you to hear these. The performance-oriented father. Everything is based on how well you perform. It's based on how good that you do, how orderly that you are, how punctual that you are. And everything has to be according to performance. 
I was raised that way a lot. My father just put, there was an expectation on Leon that, that, that you know, that I, I got rewarded for my performance. Then there's the passive father. Everything goes. <laughs> what will be, will be. Afraid to get involved. Shows lack of interest or lack of true concern for the child or for the family. Then there's the absentee father. Never home. Has left home. I filled part of that role in my life when I was younger, in my, in my late 20s and 30s. Always working, always without understanding the need that my children needed me at home. Never home has left home. Purposes, amen, to be uh, gone before, a, 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 born out of fear of failure or acceptance or he feels inadequate. The absentee father. And then there's the authoritarian father. My father fell into this category. Strong control. Fear of failure. Pride. Fear that he would not be able to lead. So you have to lead by control. Then there's the abusive father. My father fell into this category. Controls through abuse. Lack of confidence in his own natural authority. And he controls through anger. And he transfers that attribute into the child. See, I believe that God is ready to impact the next generation and we need to be ready, willing, and able as fathers and mothers, amen, of impartation of the true heart of the Father and the Father's love. I know this is a sensitive morning, but I also know statistics and I know the realities of my generation and the generations before me and generations after me of the failure of fathers. If you're the good father, you need to really direct your children to the Heavenly Father. Don't be an interceptor of our children beginning to identify, amen, that their life is hidden in Christ. Amen? But when I begin to understand the attributes of my father and open my eyes up, that my father had learned attributes on fathering from his father and from generations on back. And when I begin to recognize that, come on now, I begin to release healing towards my own natural father for all of the abusive years, all of the persecution that I suffered as a child and all that I went through, I found myself able to forgive my father and unload all anger, all disappointment, all upset, all blaming. I was able to release all that to God. It was like God unveiled, amen, all the qualities of my natural father. See, it was sad for me because growing up, I did not get to see the true attributes of my father. All I could see was his inadequacies. But when God brought heat into that, I was able to see my father for who he was. I felt I heard the Lord speak to me. He said, if you're going to be good spiritual fathers, if you're going to be good spiritual leaders, and if you're going to be good fathers, then you need to get healing of any father issues or mother issues that you might have. So you forgive them. So you can begin to draw on the true attributes of your heavenly father. Otherwise, you will father once again out of the same attributes that your fathers 
Father. But this is somebody say, I love you, Jesus. And then so Numbers 13 and 14, the entire generations of families, they fell by the wayside because they did not lead the next generation to their, to their own children into the inheritance that God had for them. Chapter 14 and 31, God said, your little ones I will bring in and they will know the man that you despise. So learning this appreciation, learning this respect, amen, learning to honor God, amen, so that we're paving a way for our children, come on now, and we're building that platform, amen, so that our children will be able to step up like Joshua and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hebrews 11 and 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to the place which he would receive an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. He believed God against all impossibilities, and he became the father of faith. That's why I so enjoyed hearing the testimony of the young man this morning. But I enjoyed seeing the demonstration of your pastor with a, a brokenness. Come on now, even though there was years of separation and, and disconnect with the natural father, yet there was a love and a respect, and that's birthed out of the heart of the father into your pastor. You need to pick up on that mantle. Genesis 27 and 27, Isaac laid him on his son Jacob for a generational blessing. First, first Samuel 16, 13, Samuel laid hands on David, amen, for a generational inheritance, anointing and blessing. Genesis 48, 7 to 20, Jacob laid hands on Manasseh and Ephraim for a generational inheritance. Generation 2, 1 through 10, Moses' parents laid hands on their baby Moses as they set him out into the waters to fulfill his destiny. Say the Father's love. The Father's embrace. Amen. The Father's heart is not reserved for apostles and prophets, ministers, or even gender only, but it is being released through the apostles and the prophets so that all men and women everywhere will minister with a true Father's heart of their Heavenly Father. Father, unfortunately, through the past and present generations of fathers and mothers, the Father's heart has become hardened, lost its identity, its authority, and its rightful place in this generation in order to impact the generations to come. Everybody say impact. I want to just read for you real quick a few attributes, amen, for you to consider. One, be sure we keep our vertical relationship with God first. Everybody say vertical. Keep our vertical fathers and men in this house, keep that vertical relationship with God first in check and balance. The saddens me when I see a young man who feels he has to try things of the world to be one to learn things firsthand for him own self without seeking the experience and all that has already happened through fathers that have gone before him. To give yourself a place of accountability. Don't try to stand up. Don't just think that you can do this thing 
by yourself. No, you need help. You need one another. You need safe people that you can talk to. Three, be a mentor of every good work. If it's not good, change it. But be a mentor of every good work of the kingdom of God, all the laws and the commands of God. Or be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leadings. Learn to talk to God. Learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Learn to listen to that Christ is in you as fathers. I can't tell you how many times I prayed before I left the house and I heard the Lord say, go by the school. <laughs> oh, okay. I go by the school. I find that my daughter with her first car, the car is not in the parking lot. Come on. Well, I was able to deal with my daughter. Why was your car not in the parking lot? And she had just had a break time in school, had her first car, and first day at school, and, and four other kids wanted to get in a little Honda Civic. Come on now. And we're all going to go to the convenience store. Or baby, your insurance won't even cover other people getting in your car. But the Holy Spirit brought that awareness. God will inform you. Think about your children and about ones that you, as pastors, I mean, as an apostle. You know what? I sit down every day and I write things to do and calls to make. And the Holy Spirit tells me who to call today. Because they need to hear. There's something in their life. They need to talk about. I see God. God wants to talk to you, fathers. Come on now. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Go fight. Seek provision God's way. Say God's way. So your family will be blessed and use integrity. Why? Because God wants to prosper you. God wants to bless you. Jeremiah 29 11. He has a promise and a hope for you. Come on. That is beyond your wildest imagination. Say, be a priestly model in your heart. Break that spirit of pride, amen. Be, be willing to pray and to lay hands upon your family, come on, and to cover them and to love them and to give good impartation to them. Get the family Bible out and read the scriptures, come on. Begin to fill your house, man, with a priestly anointing. I'm telling you that we're not raised to do all of these things. Sometimes the pride will keep you from filling that role as a priestly father in your home. Seven, be a good reputation in the community, on the job, and in the church. Every time God said, choose out faithful men, he said, get men full of faith, good reputation, and good report. Eight, model a spirit of humility and tenderness. Nine, be a man of faith that pleases your heavenly father when you walk by faith and not by sight. Men, when the chips are down, come on now. And we have this concern about our family and about the home and about the advancement and trying to live, trying to live more at the top rather than on the bottom. It can be very challenging. But listen, if you'll activate your faith as a father, God will hear you and God will move mountains in your behalf. Ten, love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, and your being. A real brief testimony. There was a time in my life when I was angry with God. I was angry with people. I was angry with church. And I just hid myself away in a marketplace. Come on now. I wore work clothes 24 hours a day just about. And I, I was always in business and always working and, and always coming and always going. 
But when God turned my life around, it all changed. Come on. I want to worship God radically. I don't want to sit out in the congregation and just move my feet. I want to run the aisles. Come on, I want to move. I want to dance. I want to twirl. I don't care how ridiculous it looks to somebody. I've been a ridiculous person in the world. I want to be like, like Paul. I want to be more ridiculous in life. I want to be radical. I want people to know that I love him. I want people to know that I'm not ashamed from him and I will shout it from the house. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and I pray in the Holy Spirit. I want the devil to know there's power in me. There's authority in me. Come on. I've got something that I didn't have before and I'm not going to miss it this time. Look at somebody and say, I'm not going to miss it. That radical love with all your heart, soul, and being. 11, be men of integrity and ethics. Your pastor is a suburb prime leader in all of these principles. 12, be a man of your word. God honors his word above his name. Tell you a story real quick. I got three minutes. It was in your nation. Probably about eight years ago. Had my son-in-law here with me, Tim Barrett. And uh, we get in late from a meeting one night, turn the television on just to see news and see what's going on. Even though we couldn't understand half of it. And uh, had this horse auction come out. And you had all these horse trainers in Australia trading horses. I was so intrigued. And you ever have a guy bidding on a horse? And they say, la, 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 la. yeah, goes to this man. That man jumped out of the crowd, ran all the way down to the front, ran all the way down to the front, and bam, said, that's my contract. <laughs> said, God, we've lost so much in America and in, in our nations. What happened to that time? Where you could just be a man of your word. Just come slap my head. That's your contract. You're not going to change. Man, what you said you will do, you will do because that's your word. The challenge of man, be men of your word. Come on up. What you say holds and stands. We give you a quote from Abraham Lincoln. Most of you know who he is from history, I'm sure. Amen. But he said, in the end, it's not about the years in your life. That will be count. It's about the life in your years. How we spend that little dash from our time of birth to our time of departure. What we do in between those years. Amen. Close your eyes, would you? Well, I want to just give you thanks for every man, regardless of age. I want to give you thanks, Father, for every father that has already been there. And Lord, I release a blanket of healing right now. Lord, that they are honest with themselves. And Lord, that they're not afraid to look at the attributes of their natural fathers. It doesn't mean that's the way they ended or that's the way that they are. My father did not end that way because forgiveness released him to take another role. 
Father, help them to identify past generational sins and curses, oh God, that would try to impact and affect them as true spiritual leaders and fathers. God, I speak such a healing in their hearts, oh God, Father, that they can stand and give an expression as this young man stood this morning and to give that expression of appreciation, of love and excitement and all that the daddy was bringing into his life. But yet it's very evident that he is pointed towards Christ. See, as you, I saw that father on the platform. I saw him up here worshiping before the service started. I saw him dancing and I saw him giving, giving a sacrifice to God. Father, I pray for every father in here. God, that they will raise the standard higher. And they'll be the fathers and the men of God that you have called them to be. And Lord, that their past cannot hold them captive of their destiny. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everybody said amen. 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 Give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. 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 Amen.